Oh my goodness, right when I click record, you just took the biggest gulp of that mug tea. <laughs> the opening, the opening sound is like a mad... No, 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 we're keeping that. We're definitely keeping that K-Mac. It's just going to be a big seedy gulp. Wow. So I'm actually talking to a human, not a pelican. Yeah. So K-Mac, okay. I've asked you to... Um, asked you to do this podcast for a while because I was a little bit uneducated about what was going on in the Tarkine uh, until Oliver actually told me. So when I was catching up with Ollie, he was the one that filled me in on um, the Tarkine and Tassie, his trip down to Tasmania in their van. And I was kind of mind blown. Because have you seen the film Tekina or Tekina? It's like a Patagonia film. Yeah, Tekina. Tekina. I watched that actually. Uh, and that kind of gave me a pretty good idea about what was going on in the Tarkine rainforest in Tasmania, but I didn't have um, as much of an idea as when Ollie filled me in. So that's kind of why I got a bit more interested in it. And I think you're probably the perfect person to talk to, seeing as you're my you're my Tassie plug right now. <laughs> What's it been like living in Tassie, yeah. anyways? I know you love it. Tassie's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cold sometimes, but it's so worth it. It's so beautiful, and I don't know, the community here, I've just found this great little community, and like all these like-minded people, and everyone just wants to go out and do fun activities all the time. So much to do, so much to see, like everything's so, everything's just so beautiful, I'm so happy here. Yeah, it's crazy how much of a difference community makes, isn't it? I found that when I was living in yeah. little ski towns, like in New Zealand, in Queenstown, or in Whistler, in Canada. I've felt like everyone says, oh, I like to live in the city because there's so much to do. But but I feel like, this is me personally, obviously, but I felt like I was doing more when I lived in a small town where I knew everyone, or a lot of people, I should say, and everyone was getting up to cool stuff. Like, oh, we're going climbing this afternoon, or we're going skiing on the weekend, or we're going hiking for a three-day trip. I felt like that small town community vibe jived way better with me than a big goliath city so i totally know what you mean community makes all the difference yeah i'm loving the small town even tassie like it's so it's small anyway everyone kind of knows everyone so i'm in a small town i'm in launceston but then you know hobart's two hours away it's really not that far and once you kind of get in this circle of people that are doing the same thing as you you kind of just get to know everyone in that group even if they're all over tassie yeah, you guys, you guys get up to some cool stuff. You camping and climbing and canoeing and everything. What was the most recent trip you went on besides this one up to Queensland when I just seen you? Um, I just got back from a trip. Um, well, kind of a trip, yeah. Um, I was telling you about it the other day in the Tarkine, um, into kind of <laughs> it was this hectic bush bash mission. I wasn't really planning on going. I mean, it kind of just popped up. I was at a tree climbing session where we were um, learning and teaching climbing trees and someone was like, we're going on this mission to Mount Lindsay. I was like, okay, cool. And um, jumped in on that. And then I was like, where are we going? Why are we going? And they're like, oh, there, there's like a new proposed mine there. And we're gonna go have a look at it. And we're gonna bush bash in, there's no track. And we'll see if we can find the river. We're like, okay, cool, let's go. And so we're bush bashing in like trooping over logs everywhere climbing over horizontal trees like it was wild walking through rivers 
And then we finally like got to this amazing river and there's all these human pines all through the river. And I don't know if you know about human pines, but they're super ancient, very slow growing, amazing trees that grow along rivers. Um, so it was like super special to see human pines growing because they've been um, logged a lot because they're such good timber. Mm-hmm. And then we camped in this tiny spot where it's like there's not even anything flat because these trees are just growing horizontally. Wow. Um, so I'm like pegging my tent like around these <laughs> horizontal tree trunks and I'm like sleeping nestled in like all these roots. Oh, that's that was the, so yeah. amazing. Wow. That Yeah, I remember that was the last bit we got up to on the phone when I, before I had to hang up. Okay, so yeah. there's so much to unpackage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's so much to unpackage in that first little segment. So um, bush bashing, for anyone who doesn't know, is Aussie slang for going through the bush or through the thicket with no trail and just a rough direction. So you kind of have a place you want to be and there's no way to get there other than through virgin forest. So, so yeah, I don't, I know what bush bashing is like. Is, um, is there tons of leeches down in Tassie? Or are you all good? Uh, in these, I mean, I've been alright. I got one. What? Um, one the whole tr- time? Was it so... Pardon? Only one the yeah, whole time? I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like, it's so wet. They are around. Like, yeah, they are there. I'm surprised by that too. Wet. Rainforest. Okay, and... The tr- west of... Yeah, you go. No, 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 please. This shows you that. The west of Tassie is just so wet. And rugged. Time. Like you know it's gonna rain. They like you say, don't even look at the weather, you just you pack because you know it's gonna rain. Yeah, they get the weather patterns coming up off the Antarctic. And don't they say it's the cleanest air in the world because of that? Like it's wind swept straight off the ocean and the Antarctic. Cleanest air in the world's in yeah. Tassie. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay, so tree climbing as well. So how does that work? Do you have someone who's like a qualified arborist or people who are just passionate about rock climbing and they know how to work grigris and descenders, carabiners? lock holds, ropes, and that kind of thing. And they sort of just pass that knowledge on to you guys. Like, how does that actually work? Who's teaching who? Well, it's kind of to... a skill... Yeah, it's kind of like a skill-sharing thing. There are a few people... Um, so this all comes back to the foundation, so the Bob Brown Foundation. Okay. Who... Um, are running a lot of campaigns, but one of them is dedicated to the telecone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a few people in that um, circle that uh, run these climbing sessions. Mm-hmm. And then then they tick you off and then you can teach others. And it's all like very safe and like everyone runs the same system. Yeah. And it's all, we'll always use um, like the simplest gear so it's all um, just prosics, which are like ropes tied together in circles. Yeah. Um, and so you'll have a rope that goes up and over a tree branch, and then you'll tie these looped ropes. Oh, I know. What pr- yeah, 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 yeah. You're just using a prosic to actually pull up on the rope and then pull down, and the prosic bites, right? So you've got a foot prosic. So yeah. you push up on your foot prosic. And then you've got two prosics on your harness, and you push those two up, and then you sit down in your harness. Wow, you're not even using like a descender or anything, or an ascender. Nah, that's yeah. crazy. That's really cool though. So you're just teaching each it's other how simple, to tie yeah. prosic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Why not? And it's good, like it, it's for actions though, you know. So mm-hmm. if you need it, it's simple gear, and if you lose it, it's okay. 
Yeah, totally. And also, I guess it's one less thing to jam or get rusted or get wet or get mud on, and then it starts to get you know slippery and. Yeah, so the Bob, cheap. the Bob Brown Foundation. So for anyone who doesn't know, I'm also quite um, newbie at at all this. But the Bob Brown Foundation is a non for profit that runs, uh, sort of began in Tasmania, but runs all over now. So they have other projects in Australia, and their goal, I guess, is to conserve and preserve nature in one way or another so the Tarkine you're saying is one of their projects um what other projects has bob the bob brown foundation worked on the stopping of damming rivers anti-logging uh is there any more that yeah. you can name they've oh there's so many now. oh the buying stop a dining yeah stop a dining yeah um they just brought on uh the fish farms the salmon farms in yeah. That's their newest campaign. Um, no airport in Antarctica. So there's a new proposed airport in Antarctica. And um, they're against that. Um, native logging in New South Wales. So trying to um, help the last call for the koalas. And you'll see all their new promos, Blinky Bill. They've got the rights to Blinky Bill. And um, that's all their new promos. Very cute. Go buy a Blinky Bill t-shirt. Wow. It's crazy because I feel like I'm flat stick trying to keep busy doing just a handful of things. And then you hear about something like that, like a fa- like at the Bob Brown Foundation where they literally got their finger in so many pies. It's like Elon Musk or yeah. someone who you know how they're making the boring company and they want to go to Mars and they're building SpaceX and they're building Neuralink. It's like how one foundation can be so involved. Or, you know, or Sea Shepherd or Greenpeace is, is so impressive to me because it just shows the amount of sway and passion these people must have to be you know spread so yeah. thin but still try so hard um there's, well yeah there's, there's so much anyway yep oh and that's okay i was just going to touch on because you and i are aussies and i'm not sure if anyone who's going to listen to this is not from australia they might not know um a little bit about tassie and the Tarkine. so we may as well just hit them with a few facts which i've only just recently <laughs> learnt myself so I'm not going to flex this knowledge as grandfathered in knowledge that I've had for a long time this is quite new um but so Tassie 40% of it is national park which already is pretty impressive so Australia doesn't have the best track record for um preserving natural habitats all a lot of our ecosystems are are endemic which means plant species and animal species only exist here in Australia and we've got the 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 world record for most extinct mammal species in the world in Australia since colonization. So we're not doing it. Did you know that as well? How crazy is that? No. Yeah. We've managed, not we, but you know, as a, as a developing nation, you know, hungry for better quality of life and better wages and higher standard of living, you know, and it comes hand in hand with all that. People want to create progress by creating wealth and income and part of that is usually destroying natural resources to get there but anyway um yeah so 40 percent of its national park the Tarkine is tasmania's largest forest and is the second largest temperate forest rainforest in the world which i'm i was blown away by that that to me that's so cool that we in australia possess the second it's like another uh, feather to the hat you know i feel like i'm learning more about australia when I do podcasts like this, because it's so interesting, you know, we've got the biggest 
the world's biggest barrier reef, or, or sorry, coral reef, I should say in general, the Great Barrier Reef. And um, we've got the world's second biggest temperate rainforest. We really are blessed with so much natural resources and beauty and you know it's and it's so varied too you look at Katajuda or the Kimberleys compared to Tassie they're two different worlds and it's all one country yeah. don't you reckon that's insane yeah wild hey yeah I was having this chat the other day with someone about the rainforest so to, we should uh, I might I'm gonna stop calling it to Kaina because that's kind of it's real name um yeah. yeah, it kind of goes back to original um, custodians of the land. Yeah, call it Tekina. Um, so, we'll go with Tekina. Um, it's not just rainforest, so there's also eucalypt forest in there. There's wet and dry sclerophyll forest in there too. But the significant thing about the rainforest is that, the rainforest within Tekina is that this it's the, the longest intact piece of rainforest and it has all these different tracks that go tracts <laughs> that mm-hmm. goes from inside to Kaina and then it continues out into Cradle Mountain and into other parts um, outside of the Tekina boundary and it's larger than the Daintree rainforest which I just found out too um, at that that tract is larger than the Daintree so Australia's largest rainforest area as well insane and it's part of Gondwana forest as well which I also I did actually already know what Gondwana rainforest is so when the there was the one supercontinent Australia was partly connected they believe to Patagonia in South America which is part of Chile and Argentina New Zealand and Papua New Guinea and the Gondwana rainforest was a piece of all those countries at one point and we now possess a huge virgin healthy untouched part of that which that and the Tarkine is old Gondwana rainforest so it's got plant species that are millions and millions of years old that have managed to hold on and survive um, for a really long time which is also super incredible I mean the geography the ecology is it's it's really really cool so yeah I can tell why you're interested in in the Tarkine and why you're down there for sure yeah, isn't any like all excited and happy? <laughs> yeah, I actually, I was, <laughs> it's so I, good. I think I was talking to Oliver about that as well. Like, um, it's not really related to the Tarkine, but whenever I'm feeling a little bit weird, or and by weird I usually mean somewhat stressed, which for me is not really ever stressed. But but if I'm just feeling a little low, I'll say as soon as I do anything in nature, so go for a dive, go for a hike, even just go for a run like through a forested area or something I immediately feel so much better and yeah me too you know exactly what I mean right and yeah what's sad is as like the world urbanizes and we go you know huge populations of people are now moving to the cities and perhaps COVID's making them move back to the rural areas but nature is becoming sort of like in the most simple way to put it more rare forests are being logged you know reef coral reef is dying off so to have an area like the Tarkine that is so large and so special is in my opinion pretty worth preserving because those places are becoming more rare and more rare as time goes on so 
I don't know. It just totally. I feel like as you know, as people who like nature, we want to see stuff like that get handed down. Because I want I haven't seen it for myself yet. I've never actually been to Tasmania, but I also don't want to have not have that available for for me selfishly or you know the next generation of Australians if we choose to turn it into a pulp mill or as you were saying before mining operations and stuff like that yeah yeah walking through there's amazing there's these old um, myrtle trees when you're talking about the really old trees they're like 500 years old and they're just wow they look all the tops are like all mangled and black and they're all covered in moss and it's just you walk in there and you're like well, the dinosaurs like <laughs> were just over there. Yeah, I love it's mossy like forest. The oldest thing I've ever seen, and it's so special. Like there's the, like huge ass um, cast systems through there, like cast and cavings, like heaps of fossils, like really mm. um, cultural significant areas. And we need to protect it and hand it back to the traditional owners. You know. Definitely. Definitely, and we as Australians are sort of in some ways, like, we are the new custodians, like, the, as a generation, like, the earth is, we are here for a small part of the history of the earth and the history of these forests, so we kind of have to do our part now as well, I think, and we're sort of waking up as time goes on, you know, we're a bit more aware now than I think the generation before us who didn't really have the internet or the ability to talk to people from overseas and do do research on random things with, you know, the click of a button. So, And I think as well, it's way harder to hide what's going on because we all have iPhones and there's satellite imaging and everyone has a video camera. And if you're growing up in the 70s or 80s, you might not have known the extent of logging or mining operations because you never really hear about them right but now we sort of are more connected and we we're more in tune with what's going on and i think that's have you heard about um how people have what's it called like climate depression like there's a lot of there's a lot of girls now who don't want to have children uh ladies i should say who don't want to have children and people who don't want to start families or people who uh want to live low impact lives so they want to cut out plastics no using petrol fuel yeah. fossil fuels and and it's put them into a bit of a a bit of a spin and they feel depressed like it's all their fault and and I feel sorry for them as well because it's um it's not their really their fault like it's just been handed down to them in this state and it's kind of sad I fully so. felt like that like I've fully been through that where I'm wow. like just so overwhelmed with everything yeah um really yeah, I remember being, yeah, like, and just not knowing what to do. And just because I studied environmental science and, like, the first year of that, of uni, was just like, here's everything that's wrong with the world. And they just dump it on you. And you're just like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, what, how do, where do we even start, you know? And it, you kind of, it builds on that. Like, that's the foundation. But I'd get so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And any time you try and, like, join a group and, like, try to do a thing, it'd be like, oh, but what about this thing? And you're like, oh, well, now I have to go and do that too. I was like, well, what about that? I was like, oh, okay. And then you just... Yeah, yeah. I just get... Yeah, you just get so overwhelmed. Like, I remember... I totally get you. Like, like if you go... Pulling over on the side of the road is like having a meltdown. I'm just like, I, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, wow. But this 
the good like the good thing now is that I'm like so into this project I'm just like okay just focus on this one thing and just yeah there's a lot going on everywhere all the time but if I can just focus on this one thing and just try and save this forest and put all my energy into that then like I can cut myself a break with the rest of the stuff you know totally and that it's it sounds pessimistic but I'm not a pessimist but you can't save the world like and what it's, and when you actually because I've had the same thoughts came out like I remember when I was in high school I was talking to my dad about like oh dad didn't you when you finished high school just want to go and do like donate all your money to this or donate all your money to that and he's like he's like oh yeah mate I used to feel like that as well and I, I did as much as I could but you know life gets in the way you have kids you've got to prioritize them and put food on the table and you can't just give money like, do you know what I mean but to me it was like yeah you know, a pubescent high school kid who's reading about um, politics and you're going to school and I'm like, oh, we can do so much better. Australian politics is messed up. Okay, we need to get rid of everyone and blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is screwed. But then I kind of just came to the realisation that you can only do what you can do. And it sounds weird, but, oh, man, I'm really learning as I get older about the yin and the yang and the balance. So, like, you really have to... You really have to... You really have to have, like destruction breeds creation so to speak and i'm not saying that i'm pro-destruction but let me give you an example if if you ask the 16 year old me like oh is getting really wealthy a bad thing i might have been like yeah really wealthy people have too much money and they should give more away or they should um they shouldn't even be able to reach like a certain level of wealth and i still i still have yeah yeah. i still have you know parts of me that are like that but now for example um, I might think, okay, well, if someone reaches a certain level of wealth and they now donate, let's say they mi- just have a million dollars and they are like, yes, I've made my million, now I'm going to donate 500000 to whatever. Who am I to judge? Yeah. Who am I to judge them for going through the process of getting to make a million dollars without knowing that perhaps when they made the million dollars they were going to be giving 500,000 away and now they have given $500,000 to charity whereas me who hasn't built up any capital has probably not given anything close to that because I've just been too worried about never becoming wealthy because that's an evil act do you know what I mean and it started to unlock these new thoughts inside my head about the yin and the yang and the balance and like the I don't know. I was I was reading a Taoist book, but that's kind of where it came from. And they talk about the 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 middle line that separates the black and the white in the yin and yang symbol is called the the center path or the middle way. And I started to think more about that as the approach that I needed to take rather than going to both extremes. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just went on a mad rant. No, balance is important. I'm learning that too. Mhm. It really is. Really, really is. Yeah. Well, let's let's get let's steer this ship back onto the Tarkine. Otherwise, this is gonna I'm gonna right. get I'm gonna go into crazy places. But so you're t- you're talking about they're building mines down there and they're logging. And when I say there, we're talking about corporations who have are privatized, so they're not Australian government owned, and a lot of the funds and the the capital they make, I should say, doesn't go into the Australian everyday Australians' pocket or our tax revenue, which is what I find the most insulting. If you're going to destroy these forests, like the forests that are for everyday Australians, it's even more of a kick in the shin if it gets logged and gets destroyed and not the money doesn't actually flow back to the people. Do you know what I mean? That's 
I'm not saying yeah. that if we're going to mine or if we're going to log, let's at least do this. But I'm just saying that for me, that's the most hard pill to swallow. Um, and you're yeah. saying, so you're saying, you get what I'm saying. And this is what I'm talking about with the yin and the yang. Like we can't even, um, <laughs> it's just crazy. We're selling off swaths of Gondwana rainforest to be logged and mined in. Um, there's kind of two parts. Like there's mm-hmm. the mining, um, um, and the mining metals, gold, copper, tin, um, which is more of the probably fly in, fly out. Um, there's there's the closest town, there's a little town called Rosebury, and, mm-hmm. and I think people do um, try. Is this? <laughs> it just rains like three hundred days a year. Uh, but that's the mining things. A lot of that just yeah um, goes to the companies yeah. outside of Australia. But then there's the logging, the logging thing too, and the the logging industry, or they call them sort of sustainable timbers Tasmania, uh, which is a very ironic name. Um, but it's kind of a blurred line between are they government agency or are they their own? thing but I'm pretty sure they're more like a government thing and they used to be called forestry Tasmania but anyway yeah. um I'm not anti I'm not anti mining if uh, if to be really honest with you like I understand there needs to be gold to make microchips medical equipment copper to make wiring to build schools so kids can learn so we can progress humanity so we can get people out of poverty uh, so I understand this again <laughs> the middle path but um, I did a bit of research before we did this podcast and what was interesting to me about the mining that's going on in the Tarkine is it's having a flow-on effect um, with the polluted water runoff. So do you know a little bit about that, KMAC? Do you want to touch on that? Uh, a little bit. So the the rivers in there right now are pristine. Like, drink out of them, no worries. Like, we just hiked into this river the other day. Um and as soon as any mining comes in there, that, that water, we won't be able to drink that water anymore because it'll be contaminated with whatever they pull out. And then whatever they pull out, they have to wash it with acid, whatever, to get the metal out. And well, they have to go to tailings dam. And then um, the tailings dam will be in that space forever. Like nothing's going to grow after that. Um, that's kind of all I really know on that. Yeah, and when we talk about dirty water, we talk about freshwater, cray species, platypus, small fish, micro uh, bacteria in the soil, talk about erosion. So, yeah, it has a bit of a knock-on effect, I sort of understand. Um, So the mining that you've been seeing going on in the Tarkine, has it been as destructive as it's made out to be, or do you personally think that there's a bit of hysteria and a bit of hype around it. Like, what's your personal opinion? You can be honest. Like, if you think it's worse than people think or if you think it's not as bad. But what do you personally think is... Like... I don't know what other people think. Mm-hmm. But um, and I also don't have the answer. Like, I think Takanish has this boundary and... You know, they come in and they're like, oh, we're just going to take this little bit. And then, oh, we're just going to take this little bit. And we're just going to come in and just touch on that a little bit too. And it's like, eventually, if you just keep doing that, there's going to be nothing left. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the answer to say, like, we shouldn't have that metal or go and do it somewhere else in another country or whatever. Mm-hmm. But 
you've just got to take a stand and be like, this is the boundary. Like, you just can't come in here anymore because we need these forests for climate. We need these forests for, you know, all of those reasons, for the ecosystems, for the, for the history, for the culture. And it is very destructive, um, the mining, because they'll clear it all and then they'll dig it out and it won't grow back to how it was. And when mining companies come in and say that they'll uh, revegetate it after, there's no, there's no fund at the end for that. There's no like, and we're gonna save this much money for that when we finish. So it's like, are they gonna do that? Are they not? Mm-hmm. And acid rain too, right? I was oh, reading. Oh yeah, there's a town, Queenstown, and all the trees died because there was salt. They were mining sulfur, and then um, sulfuric acid, acid rain, and it killed all the trees on all the mountain tops. Wow. Like, that's already happened, you know, years ago. Yeah, it's insane. So... Um, but, yeah, I don't... I don't have the answer of, of well, what are, what are we getting out of the Taka and then where are we going to get it from? Because yeah, we still no. need it for this and that. Yeah, I appreciate it. And that's, that's, really, that's really nice of you to say that. Like, I appreciate you don't have the answer as well. So I, to- I know what you're saying. I understand. Um, I want to know. I out there saying stop we can't mine it but like having the the knowledge from my degree of being like this is how the world works and everything like everything was kind of brought a little bit more realistic when going through a science degree of being like well this is how it works and this is how Mm -hmm. legislation works and blah 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 yeah you said okay so it's not just like no don't do it you're like we need an alternative yeah, you got to sort of look, but you look. How you to, can say no, don't do it, but let's do this. Instead. Yeah, I know. But I don't. Yeah, I don't have the what. What? What else do we do? No, I know what you're saying. I get. I get what you mean. It's like with the what's happening right now. How they're talking about transitioning away from traditional fuels and stuff like like uh, fossil fuels or coal. In Australia's power system. If we weren't burning coal, our power prices would skyrocket. So. They have this this big argument that we keep we need to keep burning coal because it's got jobs. But it, how long do we do that for before we realise that we are just burning yeah. coal? So now the argument's shifted to okay, how can we keep the jobs but do a uh, a change into so, like solar and wind? And now they're saying okay, well, if we do these rural projects, we can keep enough jobs in rural communities, and we'll build solar panels, and we'll need people who implement them and maintain them and check them, and blah blah blah. So I know what you're saying. There needs to be, if you're going to take, how do you, how do I put this in like a metaphor? If you're going to take the carrot away, you've got to put something back in its place to, you know, to keep keep people keep the people happy. Yeah, often. Yeah, and what about the logging though? It's so mining, with, kind of with the logging, because I the radar. Sorry, you go. But but the logging is yeah. So mining kind of kind of is going under the radar. You know, not really, not many people know much about it people are flying in so they're not really tasmanian um that's not really at the forefront of anyone's mind but the login the history in tasmania with logging is like well yeah but my grandfather was a logger and his father was a logger and his grandfather was a logger yeah and that's just us like i've seen a person with a tattoo that said sawdust in the blood and they're like you want to take that away from me like that's my culture and my history and you're telling me not to be a logger mm. And it used to be 
like there used to be lots of protests and it was very violent and there was a lot of confrontation between the the greenies is what they were called and and the loggers and the logging industry and it's gotten better now with like protocol and work health and safety and all that stuff but this this history this fight has been going on forever yeah. and so some of the processes here is like clear fell and burn so they'll go into a forested area they'll cut all of the trees down um, no matter if they they want them or not not all of the trees will make it on the truck because they might be twisted or they might have too big or too small or not long enough or whatever so they just leave those on the ground um, take what they want out of the coop um, and it's flattened and then they burn it to kill everything and so that the eucalypts will come back and there's no like some kind of com- competitive species reasoning but it's like oh it was like a beautiful rainforest where it was so wet and mossy and now it's just flat and burnt and <laughs> a bunch of trees on the ground sounds like, like the orcs in lord of the rings when they're coming out of mordor and they're just chopping down trees and just throwing in just throwing stuff into the molten lava no, yeah. It's mental. Yeah. Well, I actually saw or got a similar taste of um, like logging in Canada is the same thing. It's grandfathered in, and it's 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 it is important actually. The world needs timber. The world wants to build, and you know the logging industry there was very old in Canada. Like they're they're up to harvesting like fourth gen or third gen forests. So that that means that they've literally got yeah, a block right. of, got a block of land on a hillside somewhere, logged it. It's been planted again, logged it, and they've planted it again, and they've logged it. <laughs> like, that is how much logging has been wow. going. And I only saw it in British Columbia. Um, so I know what you mean when you say you've met people that have sawdust in my blood, tattoos on them. And, and that's the thing, right? They're probably not a hateful or bad person. It d- doesn't make them evil um, because they want a job or they want to feed their family. And that's what they know. I, I'm not judging them for that at all. So I know what you're saying, and that's the that's I guess that's why things come to a butting of the heads, where the greenies say, "Please don't do this anymore. We don't want you to log this, or we don't want you to mine this." And then the other people say, "What are you talking about? This is what we've always done. This is how we make a living. This is how we provide the jobs. We make the economy grow. We're the ones that put, you know, import export. This is how Tassie Tassie houses are built." And there's always going to be that argument. So I understand how complex the issue is. And it's 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 not a I don't think there's a band aid solution. I don't think there's like a one day fix. So I, I get that these things go for years and years and years and that's kind of part of the process I I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I was doing it when oh, I was doing we've got a wood chip. That's sad too. Oh. That's crazy. A lot of it sad. goes to wood chip. And then yeah, it's messed up. Like these four, five hundred year old trees go to wood chips and then you're people don't believe me and then you drive past um, on the very north coast you drive past a town called Burnie and the pile of wood chips is on the coast because that's the port and then it goes into a boat and then it's shipped off to wherever so you're literally watching a pile of wood chips build that's coming from your old growth native forest oh man that is heartbreaking wherever and it's right in front of your face, you know. I tell people this story and they don't believe me and I'm like, no, like, there it is. 
Wow. Yeah, I did hear that Australia was exporting Tasmanian forest to um, Japan for a while there for wood chip, and then I think Japan stopped importing it because they were like, mm, this is kind of bad. Um, when I was doing my research before the podcast yeah. as well, it said that the Tarkine, this is just the Tarkine, this isn't Tasmania in general, this is just the Tarkine, is okay. home is home to 60 species of rare, threatened, and endangered, endangered sorry, species. Which, that is pretty damn incredible. Like, to get 60 species in any one, you know, small portion of rainforest is, in my opinion, significant. But to, to get 60 species that are considered rare, threatened, and endangered is pretty, is not only special, but it's very important. Because um, it sounds maybe corny, but these things, if they're threatened and they're looking at extinction... I think we forget that extinction literally means it's the last nail in the coffee coffin for that entire species. Like, we have wiped out the existence mm-hmm. of an animal. It's gone. It's not coming back, or potentially not, unless we find out a way to clone or whatever, but we have literally, for the sake of wood chip or whatever else we're doing, just destroyed um, this animal's right to exist on the planet Earth as well, which to me seems like, you know, it's a bit of a wake-up call with... Um, not only how fortunate we are to have such amazing biodiversity, but to see it potentially to potentially fade is pretty damn sad. Yeah, so maybe to put a positive light after all that sad stuff we just talked about, <laughs> to put a positive spin on this, um, maybe we should talk about things that we are doing to help save these. Perfect. Let's oh, yes. do it. Great segue. What so, are we? What's going yeah. on in the Tarkine, Kmac? Yeah. Fill me in. <laughs> Doing a bit of work with the the Bob Brown Foundation, and so yeah, as we said earlier, one of their campaigns is in the Tarkine, and there's a few things going on. Um, one, at the moment, there's a proposed um, tailings dam, which has got to do with um, mining. Um, where uh, waste products will go from a mine that's it goes into a tailings dam, mm-hmm. and it's in there in the site looking for what we can find to show why this place should stay as a forest and not as a tailings dam. And there's this app called uh, the Tasmanian Marsdale, and it's on that list of um, endangered, and so we're out there trying to find it. Um, and we've heard it, we know it's there. So we are out there on the ground looking for it, looking for its evidence, recording it, analysing its data. We've got like cameras out looking for its food so we know that all the food's there for it and we'll write a report and we'll be like, here you go, can't argue with this, like look what's there, you know. So there's a whole project on that. And the swift parrots, I'm like obsessed with this bird right now, the swift parrot. And it's not just in Tasmania, they live in... um, Victoria most of the time and they fly down to Tassie to breed in uh, large eucalypt trees with hollows and they eat the flowers of the blue gum tree and so there's a new citizen science project coming up um, mm. soon like in the next few weeks or so where we'll go look for the swift parrot yeah. take note and collect data and then you can put all of this data on the natural values atlas so that's there for everyone to use and see so I mean trying to highlight like why we need to you know, stop 
Because you love the owl and the parrots. Camac, just, it's funny because I've known you for, I was thinking about this before we did this, but I've probably known you for 15 years now since we were about 12. And I, I've, so I like know your journey, yeah, but probably. I know it's like, I don't think you understand how cool it is to hear what you're doing. When you go, when anyone gets a science degree, they probably dream about doing the, the stuff you're doing. I'm not trying to exaggerate or blow blow smoke at you or whatever, but think about it. You're out there climbing trees, taking data on endangered owls, looking for parrots, kayaking down kayaking down rivers, <laughs> bush bashing through virgin forest to camp on you know lake beds or. <laughs> it's really cool. It is cool, and to hear it is to hear it is insane as well. I, I don't know if you've maybe being desensitized to how epic it is the stuff that you're doing but it really is cool and it's it's interesting and it feels like the perfect um what do you call the next step in the journey for someone who's completed a science degree rather than just sort of fade into the background you've really got a boots on the ground mud under your nails approach and i love it it's it's awesome yeah i'm loving it hey i love telling you so much yeah where do you reckon besides yeah, I just kind of stumbled in but hey mm-hmm. I like came down for a holiday and stumbled upon these people camping in the forest in Takaya and I was like what are you guys doing like, oh yeah I camped out here to save this piece of forest and I was like what <laughs> and they were like yeah come, come, with, come with me like I'll take you for a walk into the forest I was like okay so we walked into the forest and I was like oh my gosh this is amazing wow and then they were like oh yeah and they're like like it's a threat and I was like what and they're like yeah it's a threat and we're camping here to make sure that they don't come and ruin it and I was like oh my gosh I'm in like sign me up and um that was it I just moved here after that and now like a few years later I'm working with them so that's so it all cool kind of worked out yeah, you just went with the flow. You weren't really pushing against the... You weren't push, swimming against the stream. You just went with it. I love that. You are pretty chill like that, K-Mac. You're very good at just going with what's in front of you. Yeah, and it's funny how things just... <laughs> they fall into place. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to throw a curveball. Yeah. I'm going to throw a curveball. Yeah, that's pretty now. good too. That's amazing. Definitely, but I'm way, right, careful, go on. I'm way more aggressive with my approach to, to things. I'm like, I want to do this. I'm going to have to make it happen. Whereas you're like, oh, this yeah. is happening to me. Okay. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Things happen to you. I sort of tend to have to go and hunt things down and be like, happen to me. I want it. Um, <laughs> get inside my memory box. No, um... Okay, I was going to ask you, this is the curveball. I was going to ask you about something, which is very odd, but Tazzy Tiger, the thylacine, the thylacine, is it real? <laughs> does, anyone you work, does anyone you work with think they've seen it? This is an extinct species, right? So it's not, hasn't been seen since, mm-hmm. what, the 1930s or something? No, 50s? Uh, I don't know the date. The last one died in a zoo. Yeah. That's, that's all a... I really know. Yeah. One person close in this circle mm-hmm. that I'm kind of hanging out in says that he knows people that are adamant they've seen it. Wow, they've seen That's it. That's kind they've of seen the it's... closest thing I've got. 
they've seen it with its tiger stripe markings though or they've just seen a dog looking figure out in the forest yeah look I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know I hope I hope they're out there you know Me I think too. that'd be awesome and yeah. I think if they were there I wouldn't tell anyone about it either I'd just be like fuck yeah you go you go Tazzy Tiger <laughs> run away run and hide yeah yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I won't tell anyone. It would be pretty insane to think with the amount of... <laughs> like, we have the technology to look out into the stars for literally light years now with the Hubble telescope. We can look into the far corners of the universe. We have phones with GPS tracking. We have apps that tell the government, you know, where we've been. It's uh, you know, We can do all this crazy, crazy stuff as humans but isn't it pretty interesting to think maybe there's a wild marsupial dog running around Tasmania that maybe has evaded us until, <laughs> until now with all this with all our trick, tricks and gadgets yeah. it's like the wily coyote of the forest he's just getting, getting so. it done what's the okay Kamek, really so. what is the <laughs> longest hike slash camp out you've done while sort of campaigning um or yeah, campaigning to save the the Tarkine. How long have you been out in the bush for in one hitch continuously? What have you done? Uh not that long, like six days. You just hike all your own food in? Um, that one was like a we set up a camp in the middle of this forest, but to get there it was like a paddle in, hike up a bank then through a rainforest, then up over a water source and up a hill, mm-hmm. and then you're at camp. Um, and people would come and, and there was a there was a tree sit there. So a tree sit is where um, you climb the tree and you put up like a portal edge or like a little um, like shelf in the tree and then you stay there. And it's a it's an action same tactic where you stay there until um, the authorities come and get you down. Um, and you're saying, you know, don't take this tree, I'm not going to leave it, or you're going to have to remove me. So mm-hmm. we were supporting the tree sitter. Um, but because it was a camp, there were people coming and going all the time, mm-hmm. so we'd get supplies that way. Gotcha. The, how, like, just the next person in would bring the how long? How long is the longest someone's sat in one of those trees? Um, on, at that, uh, that camp that I was just talking about, two weeks. Whoa. Someone was in there for two weeks. Damn, that's like the entire length of... And it was raining. It was raining and windy and cold. And she was 50, 40, 50 metres up a eucalypt tree. Oh my gosh. These people are so cool. They're just epic. She sent me a video, and she just—I know—she sent me a video. She's sitting in this, in this portal edge thing, which is just like a piece of material on like a metal frame, and it's she's sitting in water. And I'm like, "Are you okay? Are you cold? Are you wet? Are you cold? Are you okay?" She's like, "No, I'm dry. Like I'm wearing, you know, my wet weather clothes. Like I'm dry, but I'm sitting in a puddle of water." And she made a little video and was like, "I'm living in a tree, but sometimes it feels like I'm living in the sea." And she's just sitting in a puddle of water. But um, she's turned into a poet up there. Was a few years ago in the southern. Pardon. 
Said she's turned into quite the poet up there. Oh yeah, she's had nothing but time. Um, the longest one I've heard of was down in the southern forest, and someone lived in a tree for over four hundred days. What? That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And she was so high up that That's no one could get to it. And That's a year and like a month and a bit. Backlash. Um, like people were just, you know, yelling things at her and starting chainsaws and, you know, trying to get her down. And she just stayed there. And because it was so long, she had like an extra platform with an exercise bike on it so she could still like move and get her exercise because it was like a whole year, you know, living in a tree. And she what? didn't want to come down. K-Mac, you have to send me a link or a video to this. I need to see this. This chick is literally in a tree using an exercise bike? Oh, no way. A bushfire brought her down? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That is so brave. And I guess she's, you could, not, for not, for no stretch of the imagination, she's actually risking her life being up there. If there's lightning, if there's storms, you know, people are starting chainsaws, mm-hmm. joking around. That thing's probably... I don't even know. You're 50 metres up in a, a eucalypt. That's probably got a bit of sway when the wind really hits it as well. That's probably got to be no joke. Yeah. Damn, that's... Yeah, and it's windy here. Uh, when that person was in there for two weeks, it was winter. It was dark at, like, wow. 4 p.m. The yeah. sun didn't rise till, I don't know, 8, 7. When we're um, done on the podcast, please send me a link. I'd love to check that. That sounds super interesting. I'd really like to check that out. Yeah, I'll see what I can find. Her name is Miranda. Okay. Miranda, if you're listening, you're a ledge. In the... You're a ledge. Yeah, Literally, yeah, a yeah, ledge yeah. on a ledge. <laughs> I've met her. I've met her once. Wow. So, moving forward, the Bob Brown Foundation now, what campaigns are they have they got their eye on um you know their finger on the pulse so to speak moving forward um in tassie or in australia abroad what's some shed some light on some projects that maybe myself and anyone who doesn't have any background knowledge of know about swifties swift parrots swift parrots so what's Um, significant about the swift parrots yeah they're endangered the summer of swifties. They're endangered. Um, they, there's, I can't remember how many. They know the number of pairs left. I can't remember what it is though. Um, they sound pretty cool to me. They're real, they're, they look like a lorikeet, but they're smaller and they're more green and they're real fast. The swift parrot. Uh, they live in hollows of trees, but so they're hanging about um, Tassie for the summer. So we'll be out doing surveys, looking for them, looking for their habitat. Wow. Um, but that's in Tassie. But if you're not in Tassie, um, Queensland, stop dying. New yeah. South Wales, stop logging native forests uh, to save the koalas. You're dying, Um They're doing with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the koala one, so that's New South Wales based. Mm-hmm. And um, they're trying to raise money at the moment to put out a bunch of um, advertisements talking about, um, with Blinky Bill, as I was saying before, if anyone remembers Blinky Bill when we were little kids. Did you watch Blinky Bill? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love Blinky Bill. 
I was thinking about Boogie yeah, Bill just like the other day, actually. Yeah, especially after the 2019 fires, so we, ha we had that just devastated so much habitat. Like the koalas are probably not in a good spot. And there's a there's a ton of mm -hmm. sugar sugar gliders, koalas, marsupials, bandicoots, quolls, rock wallabies, roos, lizards, mm -hmm. reptiles, snakes, everything. Like everything just got absolutely smashed by this fire. Yeah. And now, yeah, mm -hmm. what's left? We're logging. And it's pretty bonkers. Um. I'll leave a link to the Bob Brown Foundation in the end of the podcast if you like. So if anyone wants to donate or do a bit more research, they definitely can. Uh, and sort of educate themselves a little bit further. Yeah. We're getting close to the tail end of the podcast though, K-Mac. Is there anything that you were really passionate about that you wanted to share with, like, the importance? Um, or if a... you're in... Mm-hmm. Um... I think my main thing is that forests make me feel good. So go to the forest, everyone. <laughs> go and spend some time in your in the forest. Yeah. And you'll feel great after. Yeah. There's space for all your thoughts to unwind, and you'll walk out feeling way better. We used to say that when we were kids in high school when we'd go up and camp up the mountain behind... M Modi's Mountain, we'd call it. When we'd go up there and camp and we were just so enthralled by this mountain behind our small town that when we were, like, you know, teenagers and stuff, building cubby houses, we were like, oh, couldn't you just imagine if they got all the world's politicians to come up here and hang out for a week and go camping together and build huts... Oh build huts just like we no seriously we we thought that we'd solved the the, the world long riddle of, so it's kind of like that i love that you said go to the forest because the best way to not be detached from an issue is to get get a feel for it yourself so i will take that advice and when i can i'll definitely be getting down to tassie and checking it out hopefully in the very near future and then not too distant yeah um yeah possibly I'd like to, yeah. I want to get down there before um, before December, before the new year, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coming down. Yeah. The Tarkine. Beautiful piece of land. Let's keep it around as long as we can. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. I dream about it when I'm not there. Like the mossy forest and that kind of thing, or...? Yeah, everything's green. Like you look up, the trees are green, the trunks are green. You look down, there's moss all over the ground. Just... Oh man, I miss that. That's something that I just absolutely loved so much about Canada. Is I'm sorry to just be harping on about Canada and even parts of New Zealand and just places. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful country too. Yeah, places that are green just make you feel good, and when you're surrounded by nature, you feel more at peace. If you've got a mountain to look at or a forest to look at, you feel so much more relaxed. I reckon. Definitely. Yeah, I'll have to make it down for sure. All right, K-Mac, we've done 55 minutes. Can you believe we've managed to drag that out for nearly a full hour? Didn't really feel like an hour to me, though. No, wow. Yeah. No, it didn't, I? Well, why don't you touch on the um, where people can find the Bob Brown Foundation and how they can donate or if they want to help out, where they can find information. Cool. Um... 
So you can just search the Bob Brown Foundation into mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Google, mm-hmm. um, and you'll find the link there. If you're coming down to Tassie and you're wondering how to get into the forest, they've got a book called Tarkine Trails, mm-hmm. and it's also an app, and that's got oh, heaps cool. of cool um, walk trails, bike trails, rafting trails, multi-days. So if you want to, because um, I couldn't find much info when I got here. I, I, I'd heard about the Tarkine, but I just didn't know how to get into it. Like mm-hmm. I, there's no real information on walks and whatever. But they've got a, they've compiled a pretty good book and an app. So look into that if you can. Um, or if you're not in Tassie, look at the other campaigns and go visit the forest. Hell yeah. I can't believe I had my video camera on this whole time. I told you I, was, I get weird when the camera... <laughs> I just like want to stretch and scratch my nose and drink water and I was a little bit uncomfortable when we started the podcast. I've been doing the exact same thing. Oh, have you? That makes me feel so... What? Why didn't you rock your camera, man? Come on. We should have been in this together. It wouldn't let me. Oh, I know. I know. Sorry. It wouldn't wouldn't let me. I probably had to fiddle with some settings and I couldn't be bothered. No, you're all good. Don't be sorry. Came back. That was amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) 